Welcome back to Josh Takes. We are going to be breaking down season 42's finale episode as well as taking inventory on the season as a whole. Now that we are end at the end of this crazy monkey run of a season. Of course, I'm the guy who always has honor for myself. That's right. I'm Josh and this week I'm welcoming back from Exile Ireland, my friend and yours, Brian Teresi, JD. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be back, Josh. Glad to be back. <laughs> glad to have you back here, Brian. Um, so, yeah, how have you been uh, enjoying this Survivor season, man? Oh, I, I've loved it. This is this is definitely probably my uh, favorite season since, favorite first time season since David versus Goliath. So okay. it's been, it's been just an awesome cast. Um, great winner. I mean, it, I, yeah, there were like four or five people I would have been happy with winning this season. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun throughout. Yeah, I would definitely put this up there as far as favorite seasons I've watched live, especially like, you know, which I've, I know me and you started watching at the same time uh, with uh, season 32. And, uh, and so I would say this is definitely up there. Maybe, I mean, with David versus Goliath, Millennials versus Gen X, those are probably the other two that I put up there in the top tier. And this might be in that top tier with them. Um, but we'll, we'll get into why and what we enjoyed, you know, of course, in a little bit here. But can't believe it. We're at the end of this crazy season i mean thank you all for listening this has you know been so fun to do josh takes with you all um of course this week we also got more listener survey questions that we'll get into um as far as also a survey results on who you want back for future seasons so we'll get to that at the end um but we're gonna start off as we usually do with josh takes here with um some awards so we have uh josh awards i have a josh award to give out and brian has his brian award to give out as well as the guests of these podcasts do so um i guess i can start i'll go with my my josh award first here and of course i i i'm giving it to marianne um and i'm giving her the princess of preachers award um if you uh you know i went to seminary just like marianne did and there is uh, a famous preacher known as Charles Spurgeon, who is known as the Prince of Preachers. And he, um, of course, was known for, for wowing his audience, but very similarly, both with his like emotional impact and how he could really get to the heart of things, but also with, you know, like very logical and put together reasons and reasonings and how he would preach and people really loved him in his day and people still study his sermons today and i think we will also still be studying marianne's final jury performance uh in years to come future survivors take note we'll get to you know the full breakdown later but marianne delivered an all-time uh final tribal council performance in my view and i just have to say i called my shot i was so excited for Marianne to head to the final travel council. Um, I gave a full rant on the reality, uh, reality pop hot takes um, round table. They did the night before um, Russell Hans was in live chatting, commenting about how into Marianne I was. And he was, uh, you know, rooting me on as I was just giving my full rant. Basically it broke down as this though. I just knew if Marianne found herself in that position, regardless of, what game she had to speak of at that point. Cause obviously we still had a couple more rounds of voting um, from last week's episode to get to this point. But 
I knew no matter what she was going to deliver because she is just like somebody who can speak with passion and is so clear and is like somebody who is going to be able to resonate like with what she's saying with the jury. And I just, I was so confident that if she got to the end, that that would be the case. So thankfully she got to pitch her case and uh, yeah, was definitely celebrating a Marianne win. Um, I was celebrating a Marianne win about five minutes into tribal council, but we'll get to that a little bit later too. <laughs> and it was over very quickly for Mr. Mike. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Mike, Mike said like one word and Josh was <laughs> already like, it's done, Marianne's one. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, actually, it really was one specific word, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, Brian, uh, let's see, let's hear your Brian Award for, uh, for this uh, last episode of the season. Okay, so I, I think that was a great choice, Josh. I mean, yeah, Marianne's awesome. Um, but, you know, a little bit of a disappointment for Mike here. So I'm going to give Mike some some notice here with the least fabulous tortoise award. Now, this is going to Mike. I'm using fabulous in a very specific way, but I have to say first I'm very disappointed with the animals Omer came up with. Mike is the quintessential giant tortoise. He has lived to a long age both in real life and in this game. He <laughs> was like 157 years old um, and he would have been the oldest survivor winner ever. He finished the race here and he would have won if not for a certain hair. And that is where the fabulous part comes in. And what I mean by fabulous is fabulous in the sense of fable, Aesop's fable. So this whole season was really the tale of the tortoise and the bunny rabbit eating dinner in the mailbox. See, I don't know how Omer missed this. Mary Ann is the bunny rabbit in the mailbox. And instead of getting so far ahead, she became too confident and fell asleep, allowing the tortoise to pass her. Mary Ann got behind. She got stuck in that mailbox, eating dinner, jumping around on the outs of things at the bottom of the taku floor. And she might have been gone at that first pseudo merge tribal, if not for Omer. But while trapped in that mailbox, she learned all about delivery and she brought it home at that final tribal. Um, and I just loved how she brought out <laughs> that idol that she had saved. She re showed some real restraint in not bringing it out um, at, the, at the final five. And it's just awesome to see how she got that idol because she gave up her idol in that tribal with Drea, um, just in a like, in a move that was really beyond strategy for Marianne, it was a move that was to like ensure that what was happening was beyond what anyone outside could criticize, you know, because she talked about how people would bring up the race card and, and all of that. And she wanted to ensure that they were making it to the next round because of their own play. And she did that. And so the idol that she sacrificed publicly was resurrected privately. And that resurrection kind of became Marianne's vindication during her final tribal. So in honor of Marianne being a seminary student, I thought you know, some theology suited the, the occasion. And to take it one step further, I never knew like what the occasion between Easter and bunny rabbits was, but, and, and we're getting really kooky also in honor of Marianne. <laughs> All right, go there, Brian. most genuine, awesome, endearingly kooky self for the whole season, but if you've seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know the answer to life. 
the universe and everything is 42. And now after watching Survivor season 42, everything is clear. Easter, bunny rabbits, Marianne is your winner. Marianne is the bunny rabbit. She's the bunny rabbit who in humility didn't think she would she would win, didn't get napping, but she worked and strategized and played hard and got a little lucky and lost her pinky toenail and passed the tortoise in the end. And that's why she won. I'm literally shook it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning into Josh Takes. I don't uh, know if there's anything much more to say. Uh, you, Brian, you, you think if uh, Omar had, uh, if Jeff had given Omar one more day, you think he could have got there with his animal metaphors? That's what you're saying? disappointed that he didn't come up with all of that on the spot <laughs> yeah i think i think omar could have could have come up with that in another day he, he definitely showed the strategic chops he just needed you know another another night <laughs> yeah his religious metaphors might have been a little bit different than yours though but um <laughs> yeah oh wow brian thank you for that amazing brian award the last award of the season uh and what an award it was so marianne the bunny rabbit Boy, eating dinner, having dinner in the mailbox, the classic case. Oh, man. That, it feels like another season ago that those, like, beware advantage phrases were said, which yeah. I don't know. Like, it, it, the, it's maybe also because the pre-merge didn't seem to really matter that much with what, like, breaking down alliances and tribe lines when it came to the merge. Like, there just was, like, this big nebulous, you know, merge alliance that of eight, quote-unquote, which was always kind of a loose eight of who was in there and, um and who wasn't but uh it, it really yeah I don't know it's just kind of a crazy season I know I've talked with you about this but like this is one of the most unique seasons in that there wasn't ever dividing lines between like tribes or, or alliances in the merge like there was just this blind sides big nebulous group that was kind of determining the fate with mostly like Russian nesting dolls of the Taku group inside of that with Omar really inside of that pulling all the strings and uh, we get to the end, of course, and Omar's not the winner, but it just was a weird season without any sort of like two alliances going at each other pretty much at any point in the season. The closest one was the Omar vote, I think, where we had Omar and Lindsay on one side and then the other four, um, Marianne, Romeo, Jonathan and Mike on the other side. But it wasn't even explicit. Like they all thought they were just kind of blindsiding each other um, and it kind of shook out that way shook it out that way as I should say. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, I I agree. It was it it was weird to not see those kind of competing alliances. And really I thought there were kind of I mean you have the pre-merge and also kind of funny that Mike and Marianne were the they both found the beware idols and they made it. So it's kind of also also fitting with the little award here. But um, <laughs> um yeah just like I don't know the I, I I kind of think that there were kind of three main phases in the game. So the first you have the, kind of the pre-merge, um, and then the second I kind of think was about up to the point where Marianne started getting going with um, taking out Omer, and then the final kind of phase was after that. It was kind of short, but Marianne just shot out of a, a cannon towards the end, really. There, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was it. This is just a weird game. I mean, I have to think about more. Yeah, the the overall meta and how this might change things. Um, do you have any quick hot takes on how you feel like this might shift the meta as far as I, I, I'm just thinking particularly about the, those like 
we used to be in this voting blocks era. I, I feel like was kind of how people would describe the 30s of, okay, it's not going to be one tribe versus the other tribe coming into the merge and they're just going to attack each other. But, you know, there's different, been different pockets of people. And we definitely saw that, that there obviously are relationships and people who have working relationships, but it didn't feel like, um, it felt much more individualistic than even that usually is. It felt like everybody was pretty self-interested and willing to cut anybody, even their closest friend, if they felt like it would improve their game. And I feel like that's like, of course, the next logical evolution from like alliances to voting blocks, like smaller groups of people that might fit together at different points, and then to really a much more individualistic game with a couple exceptions um, of people who might, you know, be loyal to each other to the end. Right. I think, I mean, I think what it shows is that you can, I mean, you can win the game coming on strong very late, but we, we, we've seen that in a few seasons in the past. So I don't know if that's like a brand new thing. Yeah. And now that you say that, I do think there is, I think there's a big takeaway and not that again, we've seen 40 seasons. So people have won in all different types of ways, but I do think it's almost seems clearer to me that the way to not win is to be exercising overt control over the game. And I think more than ever, because there's so many people who are individualistically and self-interestedly minded that, if they sense that you are going to win at the end, they will cut you at seven. They will cut you at eight. You know, they're going to cut you early. Whereas before, you know, we, we've seen people who've, you know, they've had really good, strong relationships, a good alliance, and then they get cut at maybe four or three, or they, they blitz to the end with challenge wins or a couple idols at key moments, and then they could, you know, get through to the end game. But I think people, again, we see like the, the Hydrea Omar boom, 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 dominoes getting knocked down in the middle there. Those would have been, you know, probably the biggest jury threats if there was just a vote at that moment. And I think that we're going to see that probably more and more often because of who they're casting, how people are thinking about the game. But then also, I think because of the short days, like you have less intense relationships probably with everybody out there. You're not, you're not, you don't know these people for a month at this point. You know, you know them only for a couple of weeks. That's, that's really interesting of that uh, that thinking with the short season because you would almost think short shorter season faster pace maybe you have a better shot if you really like are kind of one of those more alpha players and just kind of go for it but i think um i think maybe i think it's more so just the players that they're casting are so um maybe more strategic and more aware that like this person is going to beat me if I'm sitting at the end with them. So I've got to take them out. And in fact, I know there might be three or four people like that. So I have to take out the number one even earlier, just so I can take out the other people below them. So I can be there at the end. Yeah. Um, So you saw people just pop up and as soon as they popped up above the grass, they were gone, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this episode. I mean, so we're, we're going to try to go through things, um, work our way through the three hours uh, that was the Survivor finale. Um, it first starts, the first thing I have here in my notes of, of something to, to note, of course, you know, we see them, it's the finale. They're like Jeff's mansplaining how Survivor works at the end there to start with. Uh, but then once we get past that, the first thing that kind of comes up that's of, I feel like, strategic uh, interest is we learned that Romeo has a fake idol. And so we don't need to talk too much about Romeo's fake idol, I don't think, throughout this episode. But, you know, I just I want to stop down and give Romeo a little credit here. 
I, you know, talk about people who are trying to like be self-interested and think about how they could potentially win the game. Like he had no social capital throughout the entire merch. I mean, we can, you know, you can debate, was he paranoid and that's why he lost the social capital or did he have no social capital and that's why he became paranoid. It's kind of the chicken and the egg type of situation. Um, but it did seem like it kind of spiraled in on itself. The combination of those two factors just kept him down and out. But I, you know, Romeo tries to make a fake idol here, tries to increase his threat level, tries to make sure he's not going to be, you know, that in case person voted off if someone else has an idol. So they shift this backup vote. It didn't really work, but I just, I'm so glad that if he's like the quote unquote goat of the season, that's like, I mean, that's a high level of gameplay that we're seeing from somebody just trying to do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. For someone who I thought had like no chance to like most of the time the goat is like, they're, they're really just sitting there kind of grazing, you know, <laughs> just being dragged to the end really. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I did like, I, I like that. Although I, I still have to say like, I mean, when you contrast Marianne and Romeo, like Marianne was on the bottom two for a lot of this game and she really turned it around and was able to like influence votes in a big way down the stretch in a way that Romeo was still kind of, I think he got caught up in just trying to survive that he kept, he stayed in that mode throughout and never really was able to really, maybe I, I, he was out there trying at, at different points too. Sure. Their control just never really worked out, but it, it was good to see him like do something like that. And, and still he's been a lot of fun this season. So yeah, good, a great episode for Romeo. Really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a good episode for Romeo. Um, but okay, the next thing, of course, that comes up is we have this scavenger hunt. Um, and, you know, it's this word scramble. Of course, uh, I'm, I, I'm a daily Wordle guy, Brian. Uh, do you ever do you ever get into Wordle? I, I did for for a few weeks, though. It petered out in the last month of law school, but uh, I, I enjoyed Wordle. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it felt like survivors pandering to all the Wordle, Wordle heads out there. Um, all of us. Uh, and, you know, uh, we see Lindsay, she figures it out right away. Marianne, uh, of course, seems like she could have, or did figure it out right away, but is sandbagging it out there. Uh, which is, which is interesting because later she's right. Chooses not to, to, save Lindsay. So th- I feel like this moment, of course, was great for Marianne in general to see that she's thinking strategically. It's a fun moment. She's, I love that moment. She's just looking at the camera, rolling her eyes as they're <laughs> struggling to figure it out. I have heard now in Exit Press that Romeo and her were on the same page in this moment. So they give her the credit here. She's the winner of the season. You know, they're gonna make her look a little bit better. But Romeo and her, she said like, almost like non-verbally, we're like, just like, you know, on the same page about what to do in this moment. So they're really just stopping Mike and Jonathan from from having any chance to go find it. Um, but what what did you think about about her decision to do this in light of again her move to come? Uh, you know, at the uh, tribal council. Right. It, I mean, in some ways, it goes completely against what she ended up doing because you know, giving Lindsay an advantage, she came very close to winning the challenge, as we saw. So. That was maybe not what she wanted at a later point in time, but I, I do think, I mean, she was playing very tactically in the sense that what she wanted was Lindsay there at that time. She wanted her to win. So this was a clever thing to do. And I, I, I thought it was a really fun TV moment, even if uh, I might've ended up regretting it later on, but 
thankfully that it didn't come back to cost her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well then of course we get to the challenge. Uh, I don't have much notes on the challenge. Anything that you want to talk about before we move on from that? I mean, uh, poor Lindsay has the advantage and drops that bag, loses her head start, has to go back and then loses, you know, to Mike with one puzzle piece. Um, I mean, Mike chooses to bring Jonathan with him on the reward. That's probably the most strategically interesting thing about, you know, the outcome of this puzzle. I mean, so first off, the challenge was was really fun. It was really close down the stretch. And you knew kind of Lindsay maybe had to win. Maybe, maybe not, as we saw. Mary, Marianne had an interesting choice. But, um, yeah, Mike bringing Jonathan. I mean, I mean, I it probably secured that one vote he got from Jonathan at the end um, uh, after final travel. But uh, I, I'm not sure. Do you think Mike was playing um, – like that was a strategic decision to firm up anything or was it more so just like he cared about Jonathan and he saw Jonathan was really was hungrier than everyone and wanted to give him something. Yeah. I, I tend to think it's more of the second thing. Um, but which I think with Mike is enmeshed with the strategy as well, because I think that he, his strategy is just kind of reading the room understanding people's emotions knowing how they're going to feel at a certain moment and so i think him bringing jonathan is um not too concerned about do i need to, who do i need to feed as far as like you know to compete in a challenge at, against me at a later time but i think it is about okay jonathan you know he knows that jonathan's really close to him and would almost expect to be taken and would be hurt if he didn't and um we do hear Mike ask, okay, Jeff, can I bring one more? You know, he does ask Jeff to, to do that. And Jeff shuts him down real quick. Um, but it's a good thing. That's a good, like, little, like, um, I feel like survivor hack is just always ask Jeff if you, can, if you can be the good guy and always, like, you know, one more person to come on a reward. Just always ask that every single time. Um, and I, I feel like Mike made the right call in bringing Jonathan just because of the, like, expectation that Jonathan um, – would have to be taken at that reward i was i was thinking that i was trying to think if if at final four say jonathan won the final four immunity maybe does he not put mike in fire maybe maybe he like is able to keep some rapport such that jonathan just wants to take mike i, I don't know that he would he probably would put him in fire and then he'd want to go into fire too knowing jonathan but i don't know I don't know what you think of that, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's hard to know. I don't know if Mike ever really had a a roadmap. I don't know. I yeah. Do you, do you get? I don't know. I, it's a, it's a little bit tough to know exactly what Mike's plans were um, at this point. I feel like everybody everybody had that the energy to get Omar out, and then I don't know if anybody really had, including Marianne, exactly a plan of what to do the next round. Right. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I don't, it, it seemed like, I mean, people wanted Lindsay out, obviously, but um, other than that, I mean, Mike, I, I felt like at least watching Mike was the biggest threat remaining, but man, Lindsay might've been right there. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure at that point, he just needs to get there um, and have a good final trial, of course. But um yeah huh I, yeah. I don't know uh, yeah i'm not sure either 
Um, all right, well, let's, let's get to the tribal council. So, or, and you know, the uh, strategy that leads up to it. So we see Mike kind of get himself into a pickle with this whole promising the idol to Marianne. And then also, you know, kind of saying he might play it for Lindsay, but then he's also got Jonathan there. So I honestly wasn't sure if he, who, if he was going to play for any of those three people. <laughs> um, but he ultimately plays it on Marianne. Um, and then Marianne chooses to not play her own idol for Lindsay, um, which was a wild moment. I, I, I thought for sure she was going to pull it out and play it for Lindsay. And I, I, not even thinking through the consequences or ramifications <laughs> of that, but I just, I was so hyped for that potential move. Um, but I think, I think this might be one of the all-time non-moves or anti-moves in Survivor history. I mean, it's hard to think of a moment when you know somebody has that powerful of a moment that they could create and they just let it go. And of course, it, I mean, results-oriented thinking says that Marianne made the right move here. And I think she did in general, um, as she explains to the jury at Final Tribal Council. But um, I... Yeah, I just was so sure she was going to do it. What 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 did you what did you think of that non-move from Marianne there? Oh man. I I mean, I was really disappointed in the moment just because I I was standing up. I was ready to just like almost hulk smash the ground. I was I was waiting for it. Mike had just played the idol on her like what a perfect moment to just kind of not show him up but really just um just I made this move. It was a hundred percent me. Exactly what I wanted to happen happened. I basically single-handedly save Lindsay, uh, make Mike look like he didn't know what was going on because she had kept this idle secret um, in a way no one else was able to keep a secret. Um, but ultimately, like, and maybe if she makes the move going into final tribal, she would have been the favorite over Mike. I don't know. Uh, you know, assuming we're assuming like the same final three is there, but Lindsay might be there instead. And Lindsay might've been an even bigger threat. So that, you know, that's another thing, but ultimately this is, this was the right move here not to play it. Brian had some technical difficulties uh, at this point. So we just had him switch from his laptop to his phone. Uh, so the audio is a little bit different as you'll see at this point, but you know, you got to remain adaptable in Survivor. And of course, you have to remain even more adaptable in Survivor podcasting. So, um, all right, we're back here now. So, Brian, we were talking about um, Marianne's non-move to, uh, yeah, to not take out or to not save Lindsay at this moment, um, which, of course, we were both hyped for the potential of happening. It would have been an incredible flashy move, but it would have just, yeah, put a huge target on her back to maybe be the one to get voted out in the next um, you know, two rounds, uh, and our next round, really not two, but, um, yeah, but also, you know, it also might have, um, well, I, is there any other repercussions besides just putting a big target on your back? Um, I guess Lindsay's still there. Lindsay's still that's there. That's the big one. Yeah. That's a huge repercussion. Um, yeah. Raises her threat level in a way people might put her in fire, you know, at the next, uh, if she doesn't win immunity, which she didn't. Um, or, or Lindsay makes it to final tribal and then you have someone, I think Lindsay probably would speak pretty well at final tribal and not do as poorly as, as Mike did. Um, and I think a lot of people liked Lindsay. I don't, I don't know though. Ultimately, this is a big, what if I'd love to hear what 
the rest of the jury, you know, thought about Lindsay, if they viewed her as like a, uh, a favorite or someone um, they would have voted for over uh, Mike even coming into tribal or anything like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so what do we have next here? Okay. So I asked everybody in the survey this week um, why they thought each person who didn't win that was in the finale lost. And so for Lindsay, um, two that were, that stood out to me was Brandon wrote that, she didn't save Omar. If she takes Omar out the next round, she would have a really strong case in the end. Um, so of course, going back to Lindsay's amulet non-move decision. Um, and then Kimberlyn put, um, she couldn't break away from Jonathan quick enough. And I think those two um, issues really came back to haunt Lindsay. And I thought the first one was really fascinating with that that amulet non-move because it did parallel Marianne's non-move to save her. Like just as she didn't save Omar, Marianne didn't save her in this moment. And not to say that those are strategically consequentially related, but I thought thematically it was really interesting that she went out after not, you know, um, choosing to save her ally, the, the voting round beforehand. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those are, those are dead on what the uh what brandon and I, I forget the name of the other person said but um just um yeah like she and i i didn't really i didn't really like the rationale we were given during the episode certainly i know there was a bit more to her reasoning for not playing it then but just the idea that the idol is going to go back into circulation i mean unless you're just I know they had a good grasp of the game going in, but I think you have a chance to play this. And it's, it's, it's a little different because you're, you're ensuring a person is there who can help get you further and who will be viewed as like someone everyone else needs to get out ahead of you at the next vote versus Marianne, her decision would be saving someone who could just beat her in the end and would have caused problems. Um, just for her even, yeah, for her having a, a chance there. So it's a, it's really a different decision. I thought Lindsay should have, should have played it for, for Omer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, then she just, she has said, or I know Omer has said that she was one another factor that they didn't show on screen, which is that she didn't want it to feel like that if she and Omar were saved, then everybody would have to rally against them too and see them as the obvious threats to take out. But the problem is that happened anyways. And she was the next person to go even after not saving Omar. So again, you can't predict the future exactly, but um, she still found herself with the back, her back against the wall. And maybe it would have been a little bit different if Mike didn't win immunity, but he still had his immunity idol that everybody knew about. So he was already going to be safe. So it felt like if you have Mike, Omar, and Lindsay left in the game, um, people were going to be targeting Lindsay and Omar anyways because they're the two that don't have the immunity idols so uh yeah I, I do think it was a miscalculation for sure and Omar yeah. says it was a miscalculation on Lindsay's part and he said he knew it in the moment but just didn't have it in him to really like pitch himself too strong and that's like his biggest regret going out of the game was that he didn't really like be more forceful and he had been playing such a you know master of whispers game where he just kind of you know didn't really put his assert his like will too strongly on anybody and he just wished that he had kind of done that for that one 
move and moment and it would have helped both him and Lindsay you know get much closer to winning than they did Mm, I yeah that's such a great point it's probably really hard to shift gears um from one way of like manipulating people socially and you're you're kind of have a gentle touch with most people and then to really try and be more forceful um when you need to be that that's that's probably a very hard thing to do um and i think uh, yeah yeah no just just a, a major mistake from Lindsay, and ultimately like it wouldn't have mattered for uh for her going into that final okay so people think omer and Lindsay need to go i think omer was viewed as a little bit of a bigger threat at that stage so she still has a shield she can use and maybe she's by herself at final four but that's not a terrible spot because you can win the challenge one that the challenge we saw is kind of anyone's game and then two you can also have a shot to make fire now you know maybe if it's against mike um she doesn't really have much of a chance i don't know how good she was at fire but um I, i i don't think that would have been as bad of a spot as she thought it was at, at final six when she chose not to play it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, just a big miscalculation. I really think that had she had some, some more food in her stomach at that point, I think that she probably would have, um, yeah, been able to make the right call there. But uh, the other thing too that, yeah, Kimberlyn brought up was just that she couldn't break away from Jonathan quick enough. And I, I think that that also plagued her. I mean, um, I don't know if you've seen any of the exit press, but uh, Lindsay is the one person who has not pulled punches in what she thinks about Jonathan. And um, when Dalton Ross asked her, you know, we saw this back and forth relationship with you and Jonathan, like, what do you think of him now? And she said, to put it in one quick sentence, he's a misogynist. <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, he definitely rubbed her the wrong way. And she clarified that he was condescending to her condescending to the other women in particular she said that at no point would he ever entertain any strategic ideas that she put forth she got it got to the point where she had to um share with omar um any idea she had and then have omar pitch it to jonathan uh yeah so jonathan i think he 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 looked pretty bad on tv at certain moments and i think he was probably worse out there than uh than we even saw so um i do think that jonathan was kind of the albatross around Lindsay's neck in a way that just kind of you know was stuck with her the entire game and uh was ultimately yeah i just think that like they people saw them as a couple but then when you, you you have a person who everybody perceives you as being in a close partnership with but then he won't actually listen to you that's like i mean that's some worst case scenario survivor situation to find yourself in yeah because then it's really hard to do anything in that mode that's not the other person's idea and so you don't really have control and you have the bad kind of threat level stuff from being associated with being in a pair yeah that's that's really tough um yeah that that's hard. I, I, that sucks. But, uh, I just think, yeah, I mean, what we saw on TV was, was, was bad enough and that it might've been bad, even worse out there is. Yeah. I I can see that. I mean, every, every time like someone talks to you, it's not, and, and maybe they're 
you know, a little bit passionate in the moment. They're not being aggressive. John. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. He's got some hopefully uh, life lessons uh, that he learned from watching himself back. I, I, I hold out hope that he could, you know, learn some things about himself after watching the show, but um, we'll see. Unfortunately, we'll probably see him back on a future season and we'll get to find out. Um, but we'll, we'll get to Jonathan in, in memoriam in a little bit. But uh, any last thoughts on Lindsay before we move on from her? I think my last thought that I'll just share here is I, I do think Lindsay is an incredible survivor player. I think you put her in a simulation, you know, and you run it a thousand times. I think Lindsay's going to make the, the final five more often than probably anybody else in this cast. I think that she um, is physical but not obviously physical like she's really small like she's i maybe the shortest person on this cast and she's extremely fit um but then she's also really smart but then also incredibly like empathetic and intuitive and gonna make people feel at ease when they're talking with her so i just i, I think that Lindsay is really like somebody who um is always gonna do well in Survivor. Just, I mean, her archetype, but also like her specific skill set, just really mesh well with Survivor. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think I think she could have won a lot of seasons if things like break a certain way. And here, like, there was a lot of like just being one puzzle piece short. If she wins that immunity, she might have gone on, you know, to to the final tribal. Um, there was another challenge, but. You don't know. Um, and then she she had her fingers on the idol Marianne fan found, you know. So just like what could have been for Lindsay. I, I it's like I there were like maybe three or four people you could say that about on this season, but um you could definitely say it about her. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right, so then we cut straight from tribal council to Simotion, um, the final immunity challenge and uh, I did not know the name of this uh, immunity challenge. Uh, and, you know, I, I, as you all know, am a pretty big fan of Survivor. So uh, maybe if I was training to go out to Survivor, I'd learn the names of the challenges by researching them and how to win at them. But, but Marianne, Josh, you, you, had, you had watched all the episodes of Token Chains, right? So I would <laughs> figure you would have known. But Marianne knew without watching that, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike said that she was playing Survivor 18.0, right, a, a couple episodes ago. I guess you don't have to have seen Survivor 18.0 to uh, be able to play Survivor 18.0. And <laughs> Marianne, yeah, this, this challenge, as Jeff explains, originated from Survivor Token Sheens, an all-time season for sure. And um, I'm glad Marianne has clarified that she has since gone back and finished the uh, back half of Survivor Token Sheens. Um, but yeah, the this challenge is one of my favorites. I, I really think it's a great equalizer. And as we see with Romeo winning, like anybody has a shot. And I, I think it's like a really, 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 really good final challenge because anybody can win. It really feels, in this like, I mean, it demonstrated in the season more clearly than any other season before, beforehand. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's and it's not like it's not like a total luck based challenge it's really challenges your your focus and maybe your yeah your ability to just concentrate and i guess in mike's case it was his ability to just kind of i guess it was focus more than like physical just air probably in that moment but um yeah a, a good challenge and i'm glad 
Romeo got the win there. Yeah, yeah, definitely got me uh, emotional uh, seeing <laughs> Romeo win. Um, but no, definitely, I mean, that was such a good moment. And this is like, yeah, I, I love this for Romeo. I, I, in re-watching the episode the second time, the one part, more than even everything with Marianne, which got me hyped the first time, the thing that really got me like almost in the, like right in the feels and almost got tears to my eyes was watching Romeo win this challenge again because you just saw him like break down immediately. As soon as Jonathan drops that ball, you just see Romeo just fall to the floor as well, crying. And I think he just finally had some foothold in the game, some power over his own destiny. Like he said, he's not just going to be the just-in-case guy this round, and he gets to go out on his own terms. So I, I love that for Romeo. Um, was so happy to see him win here. Yeah, perfect. And uh, even better, like a lot of the – like a big theme we saw throughout the season was him saying he wanted to like lift up women, and he got to bring Marianne to the final tribal. So – later so just like huge that he won this challenge just for his own story and it's great to see yeah and he said in his exit interview which we're going to get to now right the fire making and, and his decision to bring marianne and put the the two bros in the fire making challenge against each other um he said it was pretty much a purely emotional decision to bring marianne he said he knew he wasn't going to win um at this point and he just said if i'm not going to win i would hope marianne would win and so I mean, he's kind of a kingmaker, you know, in that sense. Um, but like, I mean, good on him. I, I just, I, I think, you know, I do have, I have a question, which is like, what would have happened if Romeo had been at the end with Jonathan and Mike and Mike had tanked as hard as he did? Um, <laughs> I, I think Romeo could have gotten a few votes. So I don't even know if this is like strategically the best decision, but I don't think he could have beat Mike. I don't think that that's even in the realm of possibility, but he probably could have gotten second place and, you know, went from $50,000 check to a hundred thousand dollar check. But I don't think he probably could, you know, expect Mike to tank that hard. And um, probably, you know, he, he identifies Jonathan as a goat. He says that in the episode that, that, that he can, you know, Marion and him, when they're talking through, they think they could beat Jonathan if anybody. So, um, you know, I, I think that his decision to take Marianne, though, like you're saying, was more about his decision to, you know, to help assist the strong, independent young woman who we know does not have a boyfriend or a man in her life um, to uh, win this game and season of Survivor. So then we get to the uh, the fire making decision and Romeo, um, you know, he puts Mike against Jonathan and we have, again, this epic bro fire making showdown between these two macho guys who know how tough it is to be a big meathead um <laughs> and you know i i'm, I'm laughing because it's mostly poking fun at jonathan and, and you know mike was empathetic towards jonathan you know at that merge moment and really won him over but i uh i, I you know this is probably the least exciting fire making challenge that i've seen of all of them we've seen in the last like you know what was it? I don't know. Going on like close to ten seasons now, eight seasons. Um, I not that I wasn't like on the edge of my seat about who's gonna win. It just felt like not really. Uh, I was a little bit torn. I guess is the best way to say it because if I, you know, I don't really want to see Jonathan win because I'm not rooting for Jonathan, but I'm kind of rooting for Jonathan to win because I want Marianne to win. But then I'm also fine if Mike wins because Mike's also you know, would be a good winner. So it just was, it didn't feel like sometimes, you know, you get to the fire making and it feels very clear. Okay. 
we need this guy to win. We need this girl to win. We like, this is who has to win. And we're on the edge of our seat. It just didn't feel that same way for me. Hmm. Okay. I think I took a bit of a different angle. I, I wanted Mike to win because I wanted the best final tribal. I think I'd been rooting for Marianne at that point, but I still want to see her do it against, it, it was just more fun to see it happen against Mike. Although, you know, I, I didn't want it to be like such a, downer performance for him at that final travel but still I was I was really happy to see Mike win the the fire making and it was kind of a weird like it didn't seem like he was building it all that well but then I I haven't I don't know if I've seen a fire as big as the one he made so he was he was doing it right clearly whatever he he did (laughs) yeah yeah I mean uh he they weren't sure about his fire making skills I had said I thought Mike had the best chance to make fire, you know, in the final four, just based on being a firefighter. That didn't seem to really be be a big factor, but he, you know, was able to pull it out um, and take on the the big challenge beast, the Hercules, the Goliath, uh, Superman uh, of the season in Jonathan. And it felt poetic that Jonathan lost, you know, back to back challenges and went out. Um, and I think I just have to say, it. I think Jonathan is the least, uh, or the most disappointing challenge performer in a long time. I mean, he went from being this monster of a man in the pre-merge, literally just saving people, throwing them on his back, you know, uh, lifting boulders like on his own shoulders. And then to win the same amount of, uh, immunity challenges as Tori is, uh, not, not the best look for a guy who looks like that. Um, I mean, he was he was great entertainment during the team part. Just yeah, I I agree. It was a bit disappointing as an individual challenge performer. He did, however, I will say, he beat you know Lindsay in that epic one on one thing. And if not for the crazy do or die, well, actually, I guess if not for her pulling the one in three chance of actually succeeding with how she did the you know the money um, the the choice um with the three boxes um you know she would have gone home there and maybe he would have had a a little bit of a better shot but i i agree he was he was disappointing in the individual portion but you always knew he would had like he was sort of i don't want to say one dimensional but yeah yeah more like just a physical challenge performer and there are other aspects to um these later immunity challenges that uh emphasize different different strengths so he was never going to be as good at those as he was in the team portion which tends to emphasize that physical strength more yeah well besides challenges right looking at why jonathan lost i had asked you know different people in the survey what they thought and they all were around the same theme um which was he got ali wrote in and said he got way too arrogant and talked down to people um Somebody wrote in, oh, yeah, somebody named Jonathan I have here. I think I, that's a mistake, but they wrote that he was cocky and smug. Um, and then uh, my friend Fom wrote in and said he was unaware and sexist. So, yeah, the, Jonathan had a lot of issues, um, not just on the puzzles of the, the, his survivor experience, but also with the uh, social dynamics where people really just were rubbed the wrong wrong way by him. And uh, you know, it's an edited TV show. We saw a snippet of some of these things. We see Marianne at the beginning of this episode say, you know, 
nobody likes the way that he talks to women. Um, so we were given, I think, a good picture of Jonathan out there. Um, and I tend to agree that he probably lasted this long in the game because he rubbed people the wrong way and they weren't threatened by him at a certain point. I think people were really interested in targeting him at the beginning. And then that kind of faded when you, again, you could take out high Drea or Omar in the middle game instead of this guy who's pretty good at challenges, but you know, is going to lose at a puzzle if you really need to get him out later and who nobody's going to really respect at the end because he was way too arrogant, cocky, sexist, smug, all those things. And also on top of that, strategically not very gifted in how to advance his game uh, in this post-merge. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I actually think that had unfortunate blowback on Lindsay too. Just his, like, social, um, yeah, just he, he was, you know, maybe so bad socially in that way, at least towards women. I, I, I do think he made some, like, good connections with, I mean, at least with Mike and you saw with some of the other people there. And I, I, I do think like, like people, I, I think a, a decent portion of the cast, you know, thought he was likable and friendly and stuff, just definitely with how he treated women, it, it, it went, um, he was not good, good with that. And like, but again, he became such like a goat that, that like, Lindsay had a hard time finding any numbers to get him out um, even when he wasn't winning immunities. So yeah. 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 Um, Bye-bye Jonathan. Um, We'll see you again at the next all-star season. I'm sure because he was a big fan favorite of the casuals who I don't think we're really interested in, um, you know, examining him too much as uh, a problematic uh, character on their screens so um if, if i yeah we'll get to the vote later of who we think uh will come back um i think jonathan is very much um in the the top tier of people who will likely be brought back um okay so then we get, we get to the next segment which is the jury speaks segment which they brought back for the season they used to do this in old seasons um a version of it it was actually even done better i think in the season than they've ever done it where we get to hear from the jury and their thoughts on uh, each player before they um, get to pitch their game at the final tribal council um, to them in front of the jury. And so, you know, I, I was trying to like look at what people were really saying. And, you know, it, it was, I think that what they said to us um, and what the editors left in, in this segment was exactly kind of the, the issues that we saw. I mean, you know, High starts it off by saying, if Mike comes out and says, my strategy was to play a man of integrity and then stab you in the back, fantastic. So he's saying, you know, I want, I want Mike to own the fact that he was playing up this integrity thing and yet stabbed us in the back. You know, Roxroy said Mike played a very good game. He was able to disarm and manipulate uh, a lot of people. And then Jonathan said, Mike played a great social game, hit the hearts of a lot of players. And then Omar finishes off and says, I need Mike to own that he was a snake. And, uh, you know, we're going to see Mike's performance at Final Trouble Council here. But I thought, like, this really did paint a good picture or, like, create a good template for where Mike needed to go before we headed into Tribal Council. And I just liked that the segment gave us that. Yeah, I... I loved hearing that. Um, I think I think it worked really well because it kind of set you up as a viewer and told the story for why he, or helped tell the story for why he ended up losing, you know? 
So. Yeah, definitely. And then on the flip side, um, Marianne as well, right? They say, my our high says she seemed like a pawn. I need Marianne to articulate what she did to drive the season. Tori said she made herself seem like she can't be taken seriously, but I know there's a lot more to Marianne. Lindsay says, I have all this unknown when it comes to Marianne. Andrea said, I hope Marianne sways me. I can't in good faith just give her the win um, because I like her. So we, we see the same, you know, again, it's, it really does, like you're saying, tell the story of what they need to do to win. And then we see Mike fail at this rubric that they hand him and Marianne pass the course. You know, they also say some things about Romeo. Uh, <laughs> most notably for me was when Roxroy says, Romeo was playing a weak strategic game. Maybe that's a good good move. We'll have to see <laughs> some version like that. Yeah, his greatest strength was that he was weak or something. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was un- that was the unfortunate part of the segment, but you know, a little funny with what Roxroy said at least. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then it ends. Uh, the other quote that I wrote down that just was bizarre was um, Jonathan says, <laughs> "I'm hoping someone comes with some beef." <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, I'm, yeah, I think uh, he just wanted to eat at Final Tribal. Like, <laughs> I think he's that hungry. <laughs> it's still not enough at Ponderosa. Like he's he's got to make up for all those days he wasn't eating. I mean, I, he he talked about eggs and stuff, so I don't know what. But yeah. I, it's beef too. I'm sure lots of it. Eighteen <laughs> eggs, nine pieces of cheese, and some grits, Brian. That's <laughs> yeah. his recipe for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> all right so we get to final tribal and okay you know we've we've obviously been talking about it and we're both on the same page here that mike fumbles the bag um he definitely messes up and i asked uh in the survey this week do you think that mike did more to lose the game at final tribal council or marianne did more to win the game at tribal council and of course i know this isn't like a very like objective uh thing that we can measure but um the survey said that actually a hundred percent of the people um there's about 10 people who took the survey already um and they said 100 percent of them said that marianne did more to win final tribal council than mike did to lose it um do you agree with the survey takers this week um that that was the case uh, I really want to hedge here and take both sides on this, but I will say, I think I do agree in the end. And it might be a little bit counterintuitive because so much of so many of the jurors said afterwards that they were coming in leaning Mike, but I don't think just because they were leaning Mike or would have voted for him coming in means that it was like his to lose necessarily. It was more so that Marianne was just such an unknown maybe for a lot of them. And they wanted, they kind of, they needed to hear an explanation before they could get on board. But I think they were, they were ready to get on board with Marianne. They, they just were waiting for it. And then once she was able to do it so well, that really just put her to the top. And maybe even if Mike has like a, uh, I mean, I'm sure if he, if he blew it away like at final travel maybe he still would have won but i i think even if he had a better performance and was like okay or decent he he may still have lost the game i i don't know but what do you think josh yeah i i that's interesting um i actually felt like i disagreed yeah i 
Um, I feel like Mike did more to lose this tribal council, unfortunately, because I think that, um, I think that he never understood his own game. And I, I, I mean, I think again, if Romeo, if it was him, Romeo and Jonathan, I don't think it really mattered much what Mike was able to say. They probably just would have raked him over the coals, even a little harsher, but knowing that they were going to vote for him, uh, between the three of them. But I, I think that like Marianne had to do a little bit and she did a lot. Um, and so it, it, it's hard because it is kind of this, like she did so much and Mike did so poorly that it, it, again, it's easy to, to feel like it's both because it is both. But I just, I think that if Mike had given as good of a performance as he could have in that moment, I think they would have gone with him, even though Marianne, um pulled out the the idol she you know was so persuasive uh was so clear about her strategy was so non-defensive and i I think that mike would have had to have done half of what marianne did but if he did just half of what marianne did that he he still probably would have won um that's Mm. my that's my gut yeah i i will say like he had i think like coming in he had like the better like if you want to say resume just the better like strategic and social game maybe overall but so in some sense I see what you're saying with like if he had just like done decently and explaining it but I think like I kind of think it, it was a little bit of one of those instances where they were wait like if you saw both of them as being like worthy even one of them a little more worthy and they kind of were a little they were a little, maybe a little bitter towards Mike, or I, I think in some of their cases, they just like really wanted to get on board with Marianne and were just waiting for an opportunity to, to the point that like, it was more so like Marianne giving them a reason that really put her over the top. But I, I do see what you're saying because like, I think if you had them vote without the final travel at all, like, they would have voted for Mike. So uh, tough. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Again, I know it's like a impossible question to actually answer. Um, but I, I, I think this might, this might be the only tribal council where I feel like somebody lost the game. I, I don't know if I've, I, I mean, we might have to talk offline. I know I try to avoid spoilers here, but if anybody, here's what I'll say. If anybody listening feels like they have a tribal council where some, they felt like somebody really lost the game in this way text me because um, I'm, I'm interested to know um, slide into my DMS um, to know if there's anybody out there. I, there's a couple that come close, but I, I just, I feel like Mike, if he would have just changed his narrative, his narrative was just completely 180 degrees from where it needed to go. He went the whole coach route of honor, loyalty, integrity, and it was just not playing. And I, I, was worried that I knew that they had, were going to come in with some negative feelings towards Mike, not in like a personal sense, but like in a sense that they're like, he's been saying this at every tribal council. I'm, you know, I'm a man of my word, you know, I, I what like, I'm loyal and, and trustworthy, but every single tribal council, he was blindsiding somebody. And so he had all those scalps to hold up at the end. Like you're saying, you know, to on his resume, but I feel like he didn't really understand his own game that he was playing. And if he had and was able to articulate that, I don't think anybody could have 
uh, stopped him from winning. Well, I'm, I'm not saying anybody, I guess, but like, I don't think anything Marianne did would have really mattered because he expressed so much agency over the game. Like he never had to rely on luck, really. I mean, that's maybe too extreme to say ever, but like he, he really was in full control of his destiny and he pulled out that fire making at the end too, which is huge for even like a big moment in front of the jury where they're all watching that challenge and uh, to take out Jonathan, who I'm sure most of them were rooting against. I, yeah, I feel like Mike had a lot to, to rest on if he just would have understood with the jury would have been coming from and how they thought about the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a good argument, Josh. I, I, I do think like if he, <laughs> I mean, if he came in and gave like a good or, or great final tribal, I, I think you're right. I, I was just more so like, I think he had to do a little more than just be like, okay, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah. Somewhere in between there, of course, like he had to be somewhere from good to great to, to have a, a chance. And, he was neither. <laughs> uh, and so I think here, here's what I'm going to say. If Again, let's say uh, your, your friend, let's say you made a law school friend, Brian, and hypothetically they're, they're say, they tell you, hey, I've just been cast on Survivor. I'm going out there, season 45. The one thing I don't understand, though, is how does final tribal council work? Like what, like, do you have any advice on how to, like, perform at tribal council generally? Do you feel like the new era of Survivor, like, has anything changed for you about how people should perform, especially with this fluid jury? Like, what would you say in this hypothetical situation? Do you have any quick tips or anything? Um, hmm, I think so. So by fluid jury, do you mean just in the era when they've done like a more back and forth discussion? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant was, yeah, the the fluid conversation piece. Yeah. Yeah. so, I mean, there's some tips that would just, that I think have uh, maybe not always applied, but have applied for a long time. And you could honestly just go right to Mike's final tribal as an example of kind of what not to do with just like never, yeah, never stick with the honor, integrity, like never play that card, even if it is true, like unless your jury is just, I, I don't know, something totally wild. And I just don't see that ever happening again, like with how they're casting. Um, wild in the sense of like, just being so, so much about honor. And that was like kind of how you won or something. But yeah, just never stick with that card. Kind of like um, admit to like, really, really analyze like what you did and and take stock of how like, yeah, you lied and you went against your word at a lot of places and really like even he just he promised like we even saw like him like promising three people he'd play the idol for them at that like just so that's that's one thing just like don't don't play the honor card at final tribal if you want to play it so people will think like you're true to your word before then great like if you want to but as they were saying like it needs to be like kind of a a fake so you can really say like yeah i was actually like a snake or um or at least like i use that to get in good with people but i i think more generally like you i mean really marianne put on like a master class uh here like she just just like acknowledge what people are saying to you without like fighting it too hard like and and take it 
and say like, and just, you know, if it, if it's too negative, you can like push back, but do it in a way that like, um, kind of hears what they're saying, um, and addresses like where they're, they're coming at you from. Yeah. I noticed, I, I feel like every question that she got that was tough, this is like a little small thing, but I feel like it was like good, like almost like survivor hack is like, she thanked them for their tough question. And it could have come, it could come across like disingenuous, you know, like, Oh, thank you for that tough question. But she was like, no, thank you for giving me the chance to explain, you know, why my social game was so bad in the beginning. Or she like every single one that was more on the, the, like the challenging question, she like would thank that person for asking it and the opportunity to be able to explain this part of the game which she, you know, again, whether or not she was aware of the issue that they're bringing up beforehand, I mean, it, it was a good bluff to be able to then kind of, you know, retcon her self-awareness or something um, and like go back and, and say that she was aware of it and how she made up for it the rest of the game or something, you know. So um, I just like that that move to just really just like appreciate and, and make sure that you're, you're – not getting defensive and, and saying thank you literally to the people who are asking these tough questions and making them feel good about like kind of coming at you with some of that negative or more aggressive energy, even if it's really slight and under like subtle, like uh, to make them feel like they were justified in, you know, being a little angry or a little worked up or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could, I could see it coming off as disingenuous, but I mean, I think, I think it's almost just good for yourself, even if there's like a slight, like maybe people suspect that at the beginning, like just to not immediately fight back where you're like, thank you. You kind of accept it and can now like address it in a more and like a, with a calmer demeanor. And I thought she did a great job of that. And she came off pretty genuine. I thought um, maybe don't overdo it and thank every single person every time they say something, but you know, <laughs> like you can, yeah. you can weave that in for sure yeah definitely i feel like um the like the big thing i think if it was like one thing that i would give as far as piece of advice is just like self-awareness has to be your biggest goal like you have to like i mean it's almost impossible to just kind of do but in general like the most important thing at that that last spot is being self-aware of how you're being perceived by the jury and if you can't start from a place of understanding how they're seeing you then I just think you have very little shot to win. Um, you could change. I mean, Mike, to his credit, the one thing he did is he seemed to like come around. We've seen people just dig their heels in like real deep um, when they've come at, when they've had the jury come at them with that kind of energy that Mike was getting from them. You know, not to say this was like the most bitter jury because they really, it wasn't personal about him, which I appreciated, but they were like really looking at his game much differently than he looked at his own game. And there was some clear tension in there. And at, to give him some credit, he really did, you know, try to understand. It just took him what seemed like the whole final tribal council to get there. And in the end, he still, you know, wasn't compelling in being able to articulate, you know, again, his game, the way that it was being perceived. Yeah. I, I think by the time he came around, it was a little too late, sadly. Like, they were already on the Marianne train by that by that point. And, but I, I do agree. Like, just you have to be self-aware and I think just really honest. Like, 
I think this isn't the time to try to um, like never bring up weaknesses in your game or try to avoid that. Like you're trying, I don't know, like on some job interview or something. It's more of like, it's a time to really acknowledge your own weaknesses in the game. Like Marianne saying like, yeah, like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very good like socially at the beginning and it took a while to like realize that and get a hold in the game because then like the good parts that you talk about will come off uh, a lot more believable, a lot more genuine and people will like probably be more likely to accept your story of, of why you should win and what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And cause it is like, it is different than a job interview because you're being interviewed by people who know you, mm. you know, at least to some degree, they they've seen not just a resume on paper, right. They've seen your moves in the game. They've seen you talk and you know, they've seen your challenges. They've, they've seen it all of as to what you're bringing to the show and bringing at that final trouble council. So uh, it is something like you're saying, you have to be, you have to own those weaknesses and you have to be aware of them because, and I think that is now that I, I didn't come into this question thinking this, but I think that is a hallmark of the new era. Like I do think that that is different than the thirties even where you did have a lot of people who really just stuck more to their strengths um, in their final trouble council speeches. And I think that nowadays it is much more of, they want somebody who is um, really self-aware. I don't know. That's the word I keep going back to. Um, The hyphenated word I keep going back to is self-awareness and how important that is. Yeah, totally. Um, and hmm, I think, I think if I were to say maybe one other thing is just like, I, I, and this might just be a personal preference, but I really like it when the people at final tribal can point to individual moments where they, that like they made a move and like weave it into a larger story. Like just with what Marianne said about in pulling out the idol and really pinpointing that as like this major move, talking about how she had set up basically a way to get to the final three with every person. And, and just being able to talk to that degree of specificity, I think really is really helpful. Um, And I don't think, I mean, I don't think Romeo was really even able to do it because he just didn't have those like resume lines at a lot of points. I mean, he he went with like, I won the final immunity kind of thing, but um, just being able to do that instead of speaking more generally, um, I think is really helpful, especially in a tribal like this, when, uh, when they kind of don't know your game and you need to persuade them and swing them to your, to voting for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think you bring up Romeo. Um, I, I think that Romeo did really well in a lot of categories. He just didn't have the, the resume. He didn't have the game to, to really be a contender. But if he did, I think his Final Tribal Council performance was, was really good. Maybe the best Final Tri- Tribal Council performance I've seen from a zero-vote finalist uh, in any season. Because I just think he checks all the boxes of things that we're saying. He, he was self-aware. He wasn't defensive. Um, he was, uh, you know, trying to tell a narrative, like you're saying, of his gameplay about why he had to seem dead and why he had to, like, lay low for so long. Um, and, 
yeah, I, I, I do think it's some, yeah, parallel universe. Romeo could be a winner of Survivor. I, I, I think that he um, is definitely somebody who has the, the chops to, to win Survivor. Maybe he just needs to gain like 20 pounds before he goes <laughs> out there the next time. Because I think the starvation was affecting him more than most people out there. Maybe even more than Jonathan, despite <laughs> how many confessionals we got from Jonathan. Impossible. Impossible, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, Jeff said that this was one of the best um, juries that he had ever experienced in his, you know, uh, tenure as the host of Survivor, which Jeff is very prone to hyperbole, um, as we should all know at this point. Um, but I do do agree with him generally. I really like this jury. I mean, I thought, yeah, um, we had Omar give this great, you know, opening uh, line saying that it's not always the elephant or the lion that comes out on top. Sometimes it's the sometimes it's the cockroach, and then sometimes it's the honeybee who spreads prosperity throughout the whole globe. Which I, I don't know. Um, I guess he's a honeybee truther, um, very passionate about honeybees and their importance in the global ecosystem. But uh, I, I thought it was fun. And then we have Tori um, give her question. What do you think about Tori's question to the jury, which is kind of the, the way to really kick off their first response to, um, yeah, to the whole jury? Yeah, I, well, I really, really liked it as conceptually, and then I'll get into more specifically w- what she did, which I thought was a little sly. But, um, like, I just love the idea of, like, the people – on who are at final travel knowing like a little bit about how they they were perceived by the jury so that they can like address that and in what they say um in a way if they're not as aware of how they're perceived that they they couldn't but um so i liked her kind of talking about how uh each of them was perceived now the only thing that was a little tricky with what she did was that particularly with Mike, she said like, oh, it seemed like you were playing this honorable game, you know, full of integrity. And she didn't really, she didn't talk about how people also, uh, or she also perceived him as playing this more um, cunning game and using those things to really backstab people. Whereas with Marianne and Romeo, she got into some of the kind of faults with, um, how people perceived that they were playing. Um, and maybe part of this was that Tori wasn't in the late game with Mike. But regardless, um, I thought a little bit of that was kind of setting Mike up because it really – or at least setting Marianne up to do well because I think Tori was pretty close with Marianne um, out there. And um, this wasn't shown as much, but I've seen a little bit of exit press on that. And also – you saw, I mean, you saw certain times when they were both on the outs and they were walking together and Tori was like, oh, there's a lot more to you. Um, uh, just talking to Marianne about that. So just really interesting stuff from Tori. And it's something I, I hadn't really seen before. And I, I really liked it as a viewer. Yeah, it was, it was good. And uh, like we referenced before at the very beginning of this podcast, as soon as Mike started responding to Tori's question, I knew it was over for him. I just, I, I knew he was done because like you said, she was, um, she was setting him up to either agree with the perception that the jury had, but it really, you know, like you're saying, it wasn't 
Mike's or Romeo's and Marianne's was the real perception like of the jury. Mike's question that she brought to him wasn't the real perception. The real perception is that you are hypocritical when you talked about this. Yeah. Honor and integrity and all that stuff. Um, but she left out that other part about the hypocritical part, like you're saying. And yet he just did not, he just went hundred miles an hour straight past any sort of warning lights that might've been going off about why was my question different than <laughs> uh, Marianne's and Rome, Romeo's and, uh, and as soon as he started to really just say that he played a game of loyalty and honor and integrity, I, I, I was celebrating for Marianne. I knew it was done. Um, and, you know, I, that, that was my worry with Mike, what, you know, coming into this was that I, I was more worried that the jury would be more upset. They actually didn't seem too upset. I, you know, I think that, like you're saying, I think a lot of them did want Marianne to win and were waiting for her to give them some reason to win. But I actually wasn't, I, I didn't think Mike would like not own the cutthroat aspect of his game. I was really surprised that he just really was kind of, um, yeah, uh, buying what he was selling or high on his own supply or whatever we want to say it. Uh, he just like, he, he really didn't understand that he was not very integritous which like he said later like everybody has to play the game everybody has to backstab it's like yes but people who do those things are not loyal <laughs> they're not trustworthy right like they're, they're not those things they can seem that way but they're really not once you do that and no one was really pissed at him in the way that i thought they would be or that they might be for voting them out i think they just wanted him to like acknowledge that it was a charade it was a charade like that he was putting on of saying loyalty, honesty, integrity, and he just, I guess it really wasn't. I don't really know. Or he didn't think that that's what they wanted to hear. I, I still am not quite sure um, which one it was. Do you have a sense? Do you think he really believed that he was loyal and honest? Or do you think that he thought that's maybe what they wanted to hear and had to backpedal? Oh, oh, that's interesting. I So first I just wanted to say, like, I totally agree with you on the on the jury aspect of thing. I mean, you saw in the little Ponderosa videos, like I think you saw Omer and you saw High, and maybe a, few, a couple others really say like they just wanted to hear that he was playing the card and was actually you know manipulating things and going against uh, going against the those relationships he had built in certain instances just to benefit him. Um, so I think if he had done that, like yeah, they would have been on board this doesn't seem like no, no one seemed crazy bitter um may, maybe some of them had some hard feelings there for going out because of it but I, I i totally agree they they could have gotten on board with with that if he had owned it um but as far as whether he thought he was uh he had that kind of or he had played that honorable game i think i, I thought it was kind of a little bit of both um and I think I I do think he he actually had played a game of honor. So I think if you go back to earlier moments earlier moments in the game, you can see that like he kind of maybe wasn't perceiving how he was being hypocritical in certain in instances. So for example, in the I think when they voted out Dan and. Chantel or Chanel, sorry, 
Chanel, uh, tossed the boat uh, his way um, to like try to keep herself safe. He had also done that to her, but then there was this whole thing afterwards where he was, uh, you know, like taking issue with it and was like really upset. And it's like, you did that too. Uh, and, um, and then later, I think, I think you saw like with how the jurors were talking about him, um, during the final travel, they were like, it seemed like for you, like you took a lot of issue with your allies, you know, betraying trust or whatever, but then you were just doing it all the time too. So, um, just with like, I know I, I saw high like take issue with that. And um, I, I think part of that was he didn't realize that um, maybe or maybe maybe other people were just lying to him in the game. So like Omer was lying to him about what high was telling him, although, you know, high was being controlling in certain respects. So there was there was some truth to how Omer was saying, but like the specific thing he said, high said, you know, high hadn't said. So just about like being a puppet for him and all that. So I think like, I think Mike had this kind of classic thing where he didn't, he didn't see how much, uh, how many of those faults he saw in others was actually present in his own game or were actually present in his own game. So he kind of, it was a, it was a real blind spot for him. And I think that really hurt him at the final travel. But I also think, he may not have realized what they fully wanted. While we got to see like the, the Ponderosa videos of what everyone wanted from him coming in, he didn't have that benefit. So he didn't know like they were looking for him to just say, yeah, I played the honor card and then I backstabbed you. So he might've thought like people perceived him in a certain way in terms of like honor and just kind of wanted to maintain the image. And so then as he caught on later, he kind of, uh, peddled that back a bit um, and acknowledged how he was how he had been deceitful in the game and had broken a, a lot of promises he made. Um, did Mike do anything besides be bad at Final Trouble Council to lose the game? Is there anything else that sticks out in your mind besides this whole issue of the narrative that he's presenting in front of the jury at the end here? Um, is there any other move he could have made or moment he could have really secured the win, uh, you know, or was he just kind of doomed? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we both agree that he probably wasn't completely doomed at Final <laughs> Travel Council, but is there anything else he could have done before then to avoid disaster? Yeah. I mean, I guess he could have sat with people who had no shot, like basically no shot at Final Tribal as opposed to Marianne. So if he had sat with Jonathan, maybe, but that would have been required him to either win the final immunity or or convince Romeo. And he he did try to convince Romeo to uh, put uh, Marianne, yeah, into the fire with him. Um, yeah, and so you know, I thought I you know if something like that maybe could have so that it didn't even matter what happened at final tribal, he might have just won anyway um besides that yeah like i thought he got out from under high's wing when he needed to um he played an amazing social game in a lot of ways um he had the relationship setups to where omer informed him about uh what drea could do um 
with the knowledge is power advantage. Um, and he, uh, like, you know, I don't know whether this was like fully Marianne's plan or what. There seemed to be some controversy about who was actually trying to get out Omer first, but, um, I think like that was the right time to get Omer out as well. So I'm really not sure that much more he could have done besides maybe winning that final immunity challenge. Um, What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't think of anything specific. Like you said, the people that, you know, if he would have been there with Jonathan and Romeo, I don't think there's any chance that Mike loses no matter how bad his pitch is. Um, But how he got there i just it's i don't know how he would have gotten there i mean yeah like you're saying just win and the immunity isn't really like a good like (laughs) that's not something he could really change he did his best i mean he didn't do his best but you know he the outcome happened with uh uh him dropping the ball and i mean both literally and physically um or literally and metaphorically and he uh yeah, I, I, I really – because, like, again, the, the end game consisted, you know, who's he going to go with? He, he cut high, which I don't think was a bad move. I don't think that's what tanked his game. He, he cuts Drea, who needs to go. He cuts Omar, who needs to go. He cuts Lindsay, who needs to go. And then he's left with Jonathan, Omar – or, sorry, Jonathan, Romeo, and Marianne. And, I mean, that's a pretty good combo if you're Mike. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I really cannot think of – anything he could have done differently except for his final tribal council performance um specifically like you're saying like there's some other general like things maybe he could have tried to get creative with to try to ensure romeo and jonathan were with him at the end but didn't seem like he made a lot of mistakes to be honest yeah yeah i mean that maybe maybe that just thinking about that makes me think like yeah maybe it Maybe like you were, you were right. It was really more of his loss at the final travel than I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to counter that though. And uh, when, when Marion was announced as the winner, I've seen some of the still like screenshots that people have taken of the jury's reaction. Like you have people that look like they're almost crying wow. like that. She won, you know, I mean, not only Tori who again was probably voting Marianne no matter what, based on their personal relationship, and how Tori appreciated Marianne's friendship out there. Um, but you have Chanel like looking like she's going to cry. Um, and again, Chanel is probably also never going to vote for Mike based on the lack of uh, <laughs> their relationship uh, that you already outlined. Um, and then Roxroy is like also like double fist pumping. I mean, you have high wearing a shirt that says feminist on it. And it's like, you know, it'd be, I, I don't know. I, I I think that he very well could have voted Mike and probably would have, but like to, you know, just have a shirt like that, it feels like, okay, he might, might also be very, very open to the idea of a woman winner who um, there has been a lack of them, you know, in the recent seasons that they have seen uh, since right. of course they haven't seen 41. So uh, I think, you know, the, with the disparity of men winners and women winners, that's, happen in the recent seasons like i think you know there probably is also a desire to see a woman win so there's a few things definitely that were working against mike that were maybe making them more open-minded towards you know having this young woman win but another thing that that also just strikes me about this final tribal council is the 
age disparity between Mike and Marianne, I think it might be the widest gap. I mean, I don't know how it couldn't be the widest gap between the first and second place finisher on a season and almost like their final tribal council performances uh, and their speeches or their, their answers to the questions had a lot to do with them relating to people that were, you know, like of a different age than them. Like Marianne had to basically say like, no, I was taking the game seriously and I had to appear kind of funny and, and lean into that to like, uh, you know, to not be taken so much as a threat. And then also saying like, she got kind of got carried away at the beginning of the game, you know, and then had to like refocus. And then Mike saying, you know, with like hanging with the young crowd and like loved learning from them and getting to know them. And it, it felt unique because Survivor is definitely a bell curve as far as like the ages of the winners go. We have, you know, Mike would have been the oldest and Marianne, I think, is the third youngest, maybe fourth youngest uh, Survivor winner ever. Um, and so it just was interesting that we were either going to get we were going to get someone on the extremes of the bell curve as the winner this season either way. Yeah, um, no, that's a that's a really interesting point. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just going off of that, I mean, it, it was kind of interesting to see how Marianne highlighted the under 25 people getting voted out who were strategic. I was kind of like, huh, like I'm not, you know, like I, was, I definitely wasn't thinking of it in, the, in that line, but I like that she kind of just drew this kind of connection, which made everyone see this kind of strategic, it was at least a strategic angle that was true sort of of the season, even if it didn't like, fully mesh with why certain people were voted out because a lot of those people like Tori, I don't think it was so much that she was a major <laughs> strategic threat to win. It was more so like she was untrustworthy in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? So there were, there were some things, but I, I thought she did a great job with that. And it's really, and yeah. Do you think that played into like how they thought the, final tribe like how you were supposed to come off at the final tribal like mike being kind of a little bit out of touch and playing the honor card a bit and marianne going with this um more i mean just <laughs> like just accepting what people are saying their feedback and just really working off of that yeah i i think that mike definitely came off out of, out of touch as we've already talked about and i think that that didn't have less I think that has less to do with their ages in actuality. Cause I think they both compensated really well for their age. Like yeah. I think that Mike made really good, genuine connections with people. And so did Marianne, but you know, where Mike aired on the side of maybe kind of like connecting with people to a fault to the way, to, in a way that made them kind of a little upset when he voted them out, especially when he kept preaching until the very end, this loyalty integrity thing. And then Marianne, on the other hand, you know, she made really good bonds, but people weren't really taking her seriously strategically. And so um, I, I think they kind of both fell right into their stereotypes of their ages. But then also at the end, Marianne, again, was able to overcome that mm. and create a powerful story for how she knew she was perceived that way. And even own and, and be honest about the beginning of the game when she wasn't like her social game wasn't very good. So I think both like recognizing and owning their weaknesses and then also like kind of narrativizing their strengths or, you know, their awareness of that throughout the game was really powerful. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think, 
I was, I was thinking one more thing with Mike was just like he, well, just the way he connected with people, a lot of it, he, he talked about this was kind of like a curiosity and he just like liked hearing about people different from him and like connecting with them a lot in that way. And I wondered if like, he almost didn't, didn't realize fully didn't realize like what he was doing in some respect, like the bonds he was creating by doing that in terms of how they would maybe feel when he, you know, cut them loose and stuff. But yeah. What's interesting is we've seen a lot of the mom archetypes um, almost fall pitfall to this at the final mm. council. Like we've seen m- many more women who are older kind of play the mom role in the tribe. And then they, they make people feel very, comforted and they're the ones that you know the shoulder to cry on just as we saw with Lindsay in this earlier in the episode with mike crying on his shoulder you know and he's trying to tell her i might play the idol for you he's like comforting her and then he still votes her out and i feel like like a lot of older women get have gotten a lot of flack at tribal council for making people feel comforted and then felt making them feel backstabbed like it's like almost like on a like primitive level like more hurtful to have that happen to you um, because of like their empathy beforehand, like, because it was so genuine, like without a question, absolutely genuine, their empathy. And so like their empathy makes them almost give that person more hope, make them feel more like, yeah, again, that you would be more loyal to them. And then they feel more hurt when that, you know, when you betray them. And then, yeah. So it's interesting that this happened with Mike, who I don't know if we've seen happen for, I just, it's a very similar to even though his gender is different. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great connection. I, I hadn't thought of that. I, I really, I, I think that kind of fits, although, I mean, I, we didn't totally see like a ton of bitterness maybe, but uh, true. Like I do think that kind of that, that fits like the kind of role he was playing within the track, just with being super empathetic and just like, you, you could tell how genuine it was as a viewer on sure on the island. Like, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely less bitterness for sure. I, I agree with that. The, we've seen a lot of, again, the older mom archetype get like ripped to shreds, like very bitterly from juries who felt very betrayed. And that definitely wasn't the case with the jury and Mike. Um, but I do think that they needed him to, I, I, we can keep repeating ourselves, but needed him to, to, to own that. That's what he was doing. And he just, didn't have it in him, I guess. Um, so let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's look to wrap things up here. So um, do you have anything else? We're going to get to who do we think is going to come back next, but before that, any other thoughts? I don't really want to touch too much on the after show just cause it, it's not my favorite format, mostly because we don't really get a lot of new information. You just kind of rehash a lot of what happened in the season without new perspective. So I, I, I know that they're, unfortunately not going to be doing the live reunions for the foreseeable future. They're all going to be like these Mm -hmm. live in the moment boat reads and after show. But uh, I just am not a fan. I, I, it's kind of nice. I don't really care what people look like, you know, six months later with makeup on and you know, their uh, faces cleanly shaven, but I do care about how they think about their experience on the show six months later, Mm. what they feel about the way they were portrayed or the narratives on the show or like how it's affected them in their real life. Like all that stuff is interesting. And I feel like it's much more interesting than just a 30 minute little recap where 
Mike is sad and eating pizza or not eating enough pizza. And Jeff's like, come on, Mike, eat some pizza, you know? And uh, of course, yeah, I just, you feel bad for those guys in the moment, just sitting there, Romeo and Mike, more Mike, of course, because he probably started that day thinking he had the million dollars in the bag, but uh, I just, yeah. So anyways, that's my, if you have any quick takes on the after show, please. Yeah. Share them. But then I also just want to touch on anything else you want to, uh, we might not have touched on this uh, episode so far. Right. So real quick on the after show, like I thought, like, I mean, it wasn't just like Mike thought he might've had, you know, was going to win going in. Even like the people on the after show, just talking about how like, they're like, you saw like five, six people raise their hands. Like I was leaning Mike going in and now it's not. And then just saying why, like, that's just a hard moment. Um, I think right in there and you know I thought he handled it pretty well it's 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 just tough but like I would rather them be able to have that kind of space and come back to the game and talk about it first um, once they thought about it more and once like the people who have lost have had some time to handle their loss and even the people like the winner you know like they're probably like spaced out too and just like whoa I can't believe like sure Marianne was just kind of like is this really happening kind of just thing like that so it's I I do prefer just hearing about them after they've had time to process and the um I I don't mind the votes being read right then and there that that doesn't really matter to me but it's just everything else I would prefer later on um but I guess we have uh you know some podcasts for that if you're really interested and maybe maybe the general like the casual viewer doesn't care about that much <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's true uh so yeah any any other thoughts oh, anything else we, we i, I, I do want to say it's kind of interesting i think we have back-to-back seasons where maybe the winner um like you have a female winner being underestimated i think going in so like last season i definitely think like um like Xander did not uh, did not see fully what Erica was and how she was perceived. And this isn't so much on like Mike here because he didn't really have ultimate like authority and who was in the fire and who went. Um, but I, I do think like maybe he didn't really uh, uh, like a lot of them didn't. And she came on late to be fair. So, you know, but like a lot of them kind of underestimated her maybe. And like then, bam, just like, wow, like had this travel and so many people were like rooting for it going in and maybe the people at the end weren't as aware of how much that would be the case. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think Mike, Xander and Deshaun probably all were uh, blindsided by the female winners of their season for sure. Um, do you, quick, quick ranking, 42 or 41 in general? Now that we're talking about these two seasons, you know, side by side. Oh, 42, 42 all yeah. day. It's not even like it just told the story better, I thought. Uh, story of the winner, but also story of lots of the characters throughout. There were five or six people, maybe even more, that I just I would have been happy with winning. Um, and there were lots of I mean, there were there were good characters on both seasons, but. I just, 
I really like it was just such a fun cut like that moment when Drea was voted out and she threw two votes on Mike like I don't like that she got to say all of that stuff and kind of affect people's games after but just like it's just such a like fun moment when he's like you threw two votes on me like (laughs) back and forth like you could just see the camaraderie in the cast and like it's just made for a really really fun season like a lot of these characters like omer um omer mike marianne like just Lindsay. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just naming people. Who yeah. Named. Yeah. At this point, but it's just Daniel awesome. Strunk. Dan Strunk. <laughs> he, was, he was so fun, like an interesting character. Like, no, definitely. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like a lot of people I would be really happy to see again. Um, and yeah, just, just a blast overall. There were a lot of like weird twists, but I don't really feel like they, um, they did it, did that much to to really affect the seat the season in a negative way yeah yeah definitely i think the twists kind of uh through luck uh didn't have big negative effects i mean the i don't nullifier the knowledge is power do or die the hourglass twist all could have been horrible like any any one of those things had the potential to ruin the season and the fact that none of them did is pretty impressive. Um, and I think that, you know, well, maybe, maybe we're robbed of a Lydia win from the, uh, the hourglass twist. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who yeah. Knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah. But um, the, I just, I, I think we got really lucky and I hope survivor takes away production takes away the lesson that they got really lucky that these twists, you know, didn't ruin their season. Um, I, but I agree with you. Yeah. I think the editing was a lot better this season than last season. We, we, we already understood what these, a lot of these Swiss were, so they didn't have to like explain them in too much length. Um, but I think that in general, they just did such a better job. This is, um, I saw a stat that broke down the percentage of confessionals across each person for the season. And this is the most evenly edited season of all time in survivor. So we got to know everybody to a degree that was proportionate to where they went out um, in a way that we've never seen on Survivor. So I think that's huge. And if they keep doing that kind of, if they cast people that are like this, that are a great combination of strategy and amazing characters, and then they even even out the editing, so it's not obvious who's going to win from the second episode, and don't you know just give confessionals to like one person to dominate the season, as like the big fan favorite, then it gets so fun when you get down to the final seven and you're like, any of these people could win, you know, they could win based on the edit or they, you know, and I'd be happy if any of them won. So, um, that's what it felt like. I mean, maybe again, I, Jonathan, I was rooting for the least, um, and Romeo, I was discredited via the edit basically of any chance of winning around the final seven, but like, that's just one person in each of those categories. And if we just have one at that point, that's just, sets the game up and the show up so well to end with a really great finale like we just saw so uh i'm yeah i'm a big fan of 42 as well put that 42 on top of 41 as well for me so let's um let's talk about who is going to return for the next season if you had to pick one person to return brian who would you pick to see play again i think i for me it's got to be it's got to be Omer. I mean, it would be really hard for him, I think, because 
people would see him coming more, especially after seeing this season. Um, but he was just, he was so fun. Um, like, just like, and, and not just strategically, but really as a character. And you could like see like little fun things. He did. Like, again, I go back to the little fist bump, but just, just like fun ways he bonded with people. And like, I, I would love to see him back. Um, but, and, and we're, of course, I'd love to see Marianne back, but like, once you win you know it gets a little it's a harder yeah. to return um so yeah that's probably my pick but it's a there's a lot of contenders that i'd i'd really love to see like mike would be incredible too i, I don't know what do you think yeah. josh <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think omar would be my number one but i think he's probably the least yeah i'm not least but like it's just really hard like you're saying it would be an uphill battle because everyone's seen his tricks and you know how he plays and he probably would be an early boot in a lot of returning seasons, depending on exactly how it shakes out. But, um, and then, yeah, Mike would be awesome. I hope we can get him back, you know, quickly. The The issue with Mike is just, is his age and stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. you just, yeah, if they don't bring him back quick enough, then uh, he might be unfortunately like too old for them, you know, to, to bring back. But I think he's in such good shape that like he, he could, he could come back. So I'll, I'll hold out a lot of hope and faith. And I think Mike would be, a really excellent winter pick for a returning season because mm. people, because I think he could change. Like he didn't really like he did so much well, but I think people will have a, not the highest impression of him off the season as like some mastermind or something yet. He made pretty much every strategic right move to get to the end and then just didn't know how to say it at the end. And I think he could do that differently if that, you know, the opportunity is given him again. So yeah, I like, I like Omar and Mike there. Um, I think the most likely person to return is Jonathan, which again, I would find unfortunate. Um, and um, I think, you know, I think Drea earned her spot back with the fact that she had all those advantages with that powerful tribal council um, where she played her idol. And I'd love to see her get another shot because I do think that her game kind of tanked once she did, you know, kind of have to go through that tribal council and play her idol um there's other things that led to her downfall but i think that was when i think zeke said this i know um from his game changer season that he knew as soon as that that, that he had that powerful tribal, tribal council that he couldn't win the season mm. because because it's and no one would ever say this out loud but like it just he's clearly like got the best story like if he if, if he makes it to the end at that point like he knows that he's he's won the game and everybody else knows that too. And I feel like Drea probably had a similar, there's probably a similar vibe out there about Drea that like after that powerful moment, which she was kind of trying to avoid, you know, going back to that moment, Jeff's asking her questions. She just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know for like the first three yeah. questions and then kind of had to be honest. Cause she was like clearly visibly triggered. So I, I just think that, um drea i would love to see her get another shot and hopefully it'd be you know a um another opportunity for her to just keep racking up her resume list of all the advantages and idols that she finds but hopefully <laughs> this time is able to use <laughs> to a little bit better use but yeah i mean as much as that powerful moment thing could be true like she had like she had the ability if she just didn't tell Omer like to basically brute force her way into like the final four almost. Um, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, if she could just, cause she could have taken an idol, 
you know, essentially they wouldn't vote for her there. So then she's at final six with an idol, with an amulet that could become an idol. Oh, wait, no, I guess the, that couldn't be used with the, if she and Lindsay were both in the game. But still, like, she, she had a, like, after Mike, she's probably the person who, like, had the position to mm. win the game just with all the things she had that most, like, lost it. Although, like, and, you know, so that, that's what I'd say. But I'd love to see her back with a chance to, like, do all that better because she's clearly very aware and skilled at finding things and she was always like in like the majority part of the alliance and had a lot of say in the decision so she was good at forming those connections too so great player like yeah i'd love to see a lot of people romeo would be great to see back too and Lindsay, you know so yeah definitely i i there's uh, yeah you could you could bring back so many people even a lot of the pre-mergers like a lot of those young young people that got voted out early that uh you know Marianne referenced, um, put Zach and Marianne on a blood versus water season, um, get them back out there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, according to the survey who people want to, to come back, it was, it was Omar or it was Drea actually number one, but then it was Omar and Mike tied for second place. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, those are definitely a clear one, two, three for me as well, but there's a lot of great people who, um, could be asked back from the season. And I think unfortunately for season 41, they, they, they pick a lot of these people over people from season 41, honestly, probably not to the fault of season 41 cast, but just cause the season was also more evenly edited. Like we got to know these people a lot better. So um, yeah. All right. Well, that is it. I can't believe we're here at the end, Brian, any last thoughts, any last summary statements before we move on from season 42? No, I think I think that that about does it. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you all again for tuning in to Josh Takes. Uh, I do not have off-season coverage planned, um, but we'll see if uh, a podcast pops up in your feed at some point. I have enjoyed talking Survivor, of course, with you all. Um, I've loved the listener responses i've been very appreciative of my guests so thank you brian um and thank you to everybody else who's come on the podcast and i'm really excited for next season so i think josh takes uh will be around in some form i'm might be changing the name that's kind of my off-season project i think uh i don't want it to be so josh centric um but but i think that i still want to talk some survivor because it's been really really fun and so thank you everybody take care bye <laughs>